Hey everybody, welcome to The Block, episode 5. I am here with your host, James Ballantine. What up, what up? <laughs> hey, so tell us, what did you do on your block this week? So, got a lot of things happening on the block this week, but we are currently pushing forward with a growing project. So, uh, previous week I've been doing a lot of monitoring of temperatures in our greenhouse uh, one side of our lighting and scaffolding is up and ready to go. Fan system is ready to rock. So uh, we have planted. So as of this week, I have been planting. And if anyone knows me, I've been literally babying a couple <laughs> sections of, uh, of, of, of wicking beds that we have fully planted. So over the last week, I have, I have planted um, and did a lot of temperature monitoring and and uh, hand babying some plants, but that's a good thing, and I'm really excited about that. I also started to lay this scaffolding for um, the other side of the greenhouse, which should get finished next week. A lot of good things going. Started to, in my head, map out uh, the next phase of a lot of planting, uh, being that we're in that August month, which is a little too hot to do a lot of planting outside, but um, kind of laid out in my head the next build that we're going to do on the front of the property and started to lay out that um, in my head. I haven't put anything on paper. I tend to work that way. But <laughs> so just so you guys know, James really doesn't really put much on paper. He does take some notes after he's done it. But as to starting out with something on paper, he's not that's not really where he goes. Yeah, uh, it, it's not how my mind works. So I always say work how your mind works um, and and just understand how your mind works and, and, and push forward. So I'm really excited about the, the next step and. Um, starting to kind of map that stuff out. So looking forward to it. Fantastic. And we'll keep you guys informed. We're actually going to do some uh, videoing of the next because I think I would like to actually videotape myself building one of these beds. This is something that anyone can do at their home and they can actually take and duplicate. So again, you know, my block, your block, it's all about helping each other better our own block. So if I can do something and, and put something on video and you guys could use it, absolutely, absolutely love that. And I look forward to doing some video on that. I'm thinking that's a little bit of foreshadowing for the Block YouTube channel. Could be possibly. I have a, a nephew that is really into video photography and so forth. So he's uh, planning on uh, bringing out some equipment and videotaping me do some hard work. But I also think it's really good for him to actually learn how to use some tools. So I'm actually going to put him a little bit hands-on and, and let him do some drilling. That sounds great. For those of you that know James, you know that any project that he gets into, he, uh, he babies it from start to finish. So I can tell you that the, <laughs> the plants that he has put in his greenhouse, he's probably out there no less than 20 times a day checking them. You know, because the half hour before that he was out there, probably was going to be a lot of difference between the half hour later he was out there. But that's how he rolls. And uh, that's why things work. <laughs> Temperature changes matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So then let's uh, let's roll into the uh, the meat of the podcast this week. I know um, you had a question posed to you um, 
late last week or early this week. Um, is justice blind? And you know what? As I started to actually dig into that question, you know, and put aside my biases, because the answer to that was absolutely no. Uh, but I wanted to actually do some research and started to look into some things. And, you know, I started looking at statistics of this and that, uh, of policing and traffic stops and the judicial branch and how sentencing is, is longer or the difference in sentencing, uh, sentencing between the races. And then I finally realized there are a lot of studies out there. Um, a lot of information, a lot of different studies from uh, how the police police, how judges sentence criminals. Um, and you kind of realized, I, you know, I won't say this as I sat and I realized one thing at a certain point in time, it was like, okay, um, I'm looking at all these different studies from different universities, from, you know, Stanford to Michigan, uh, CNN has studies and different news channels have studies. Um, I mean, compiling, I, I picked up a spreadsheet just for Austin County, um, or Travis County in the Austin area that had close to half a million or half a million dollars, but half a million traffic stops. Um, and the different demographics of who they stopped and why they stopped and how long they stopped. And then I realized it was like, all right, that's a lot of information and a lot of time that people are putting into putting all this together. And these traffic stops were, I mean, this information a lot of times is done over uh, quite a bit of time. Um, you know, like the last one I just mentioned was done over 10 years. Uh, this information was gathered from 10 years. And, and it makes me realize it was like, all right, we have this information. It clear, it all clearly points towards a direction of, yes, we have a problem in this country on how we actually do traffic stops. And there are certain different demographics that are living in a police state. Um, which we are, you know, the land of the free and, uh, you know, home of the brave and all that stuff that we claim, then there should be no one living in a police state. So what are we doing with this information? Is it just that, hey, we're going to let the eggheads run and grab a bunch of information. They're going to do all these tests and they're going to, you know, uh, we're going to give them a couple grants and a couple loans so they can continue whatever project they actually want to work on. And no one's going to do anything with it. And as far as I'm, I'm seeing, especially with today's culture um, and what's going on in our world today as we look at um, video after video of, uh, of shootings and uh, over-policing and police using excessive force. So at what point in time do we actually say, hey, we know this is a problem. We know that it's been a problem. What are we doing with this problem? So I started to look at it from a couple different in individual aspects of it. So I started saying, all right, let's look at the policing aspect of it. Um, if we look at just one of the biggest uh, things that are going on in our world today with George Floyd and everything going on, uh, we take four police officers, not, not one. Um, I know everyone looks at the one who had his knee on his neck and he's ab absolutely culpable 
But the other three are absolutely just as culpable. You know, everyone constantly says, you know, you know not all cops, not all cops. No, you know, there are good cops. Absolutely. Not deba- that's not even something that we're debating here. But at what point in time do we see four cops? It, it, it looks to me like, you know, where we see, you know, the blue line, protect the blue line and so forth and things like that. It, it is turned into very much gang culture where when I say gang culture, I mean, it's not, hey, we're here to do the right thing. We're here to do the right thing as long as it's not against one of ours. And that's that 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 has to be taken completely out of the window and it has to be thrown out of the window. And if we need we already have independent agencies that are supposed to dig into the police and so forth. Obviously, they're not working. We have police unions that constantly get police officers back on the force after they've been kicked off the force. Because obviously the unions have more power and are wielding more power than, you know, the people who are making the decisions to hire and fire some of these people. So if the good cops are saying, hey, this guy's out of here. And then the police union under guidelines and rules that the union has says, eh, it's not that bad. Well, let's give him his job back. Then it's the police unions need to go. And there shouldn't be a police union that has more power than the commanding officers who are saying this guy doesn't have the right mindset for the job. Those there shouldn't be that type of union where someone can get re get rehired after he's been fired for something as egregious as kneeling on someone's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And the cops that sat back and watched this also are just as culpable and they don't need to have a job. And frankly, I look at it as a commanding officer allowed this person to get back on the force. He might not need to have his job and whoever is in charge of the union doesn't need to have their job. At some point in time, we have to start looking at we know there's a problem. So let's divide and conquer and start to really pick apart the actual problems. And the problem is not necessarily the officers. It's who's protecting these officers. So uh, I actually I, I didn't even realize that we were doing this as a topic this week. I actually had read something where it was it was talking about this exact same thing where officers get fired for doing some egregious you know, activity or policing, that type of thing. And the union um, doesn't necessarily get them their job back where they were, but puts them into a different police department or law enforcement agency where they get their job back. But it seems like they, the direction that this article was going anyway was, was kind of pointing towards the the unions know the law enforcement areas where this is more okay, this kind of behavior, where they have more of the, the jackboot, the thug kind of mentality, the more gang-like mentality. Yeah, I mean, and so where these officers will be protected by their own should something happen again. And, uh, it, I mean, it was actually sickening to read. And that's where when you really start to read a lot of these studies and you see the 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 
the same behaviors just over and over and over again. You know, I read, you know, uh, two, two different studies on two different major highways where um, not only what did a judge actually say that he's never seen anyone that, that's not black or Hispanic that came through his court on this highway for a, a, a drug and traffic stop. And I know a lot of people are going to take that and be like, yeah, that's because they're all, you know, black and Hispanic who are doing this stuff. The judge actually didn't mean it that way. The judgment is he was looking at the study that officers are only pulling over 70 percent of the people they pull over on this highway, even though in the study it was less than 20 percent of black and Hispanic who were driving down this highway. They were pulling over 70 percent black and Hispanic people. So that means the police officers are actually targeting black and Hispanic people. And in those traffic stops where they would, you know, stop, you know, they would look at the records for, hey, we stopped a white couple, white family. You know, it didn't, you know, they did distinguish between male and female. The traffic stops were always short. When they pulled over a black or Hispanic person, the traffic stops were always longer. And, you know, for someone who's actually been pulled over by the police as a person of color, um, there have been cops who pulled you over and be like, hey, James, you were speeding or, hey, I'm pulling you over because your taillights out. And um, that has happened to me. And I've had cops who are like, hey, you know, get a fix out, out the door. See you later. But I also have had cops, depending on and I was recently talking to my mother about something and I was like, when my dress changed, you know, and that was because my career, you know, I had went from, you know, where I was constantly, where I was able to free dress, where I could wear whatever I want and so forth. And I used to spend a lot of time in baseball hats and jerseys and so forth. But when my career changed and my dress changed, which means 90% of my time I was in a suit and tie, I noticed that I rarely got pulled over. And then when I did get pulled over, it was pretty much, uh, you know, the cops were actually more respectful. It wasn't the conversation like when I was in the jerseys or in uh, the ball caps of, hey, what do you have in your car? Do you have any drugs and weapons and guns? And, and, you know, there was even one time I looked at the guy and I was like, really? What made you think I have guns and drugs? And why is that line of questioning the first thing comes out? So when you look at the studies where... Black and Hispanic people are being pulled over and the traffic stop is longer. You, I understand, being a person of color, why that traffic stop is longer. That traffic stop is longer because we really didn't pull you over for whatever bullshit we said we pulled you over for. We pulled you over with the hope that we're going to find something else. Or we're going to make it so uncomfortable and so forth where you potentially make a mistake. And where we see, you know... A cop, you know, being able to use a a defense that he was scared, it, 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 you know, you know, I stammer over this, and you know, I feel bad about saying it because I get it. I've actually been to protests, and I'm seeing cops face up uh, during some some major protests, and I can absolutely say there are absolutely some people who are out there scared and probably shouldn't be on the line and having a badge. I can see the fear in their eye. But 
you have went to training. They have went to training. They have had a commanding officer say, you know what? You can do the damn job and handed him a badge and a gun. So at some point in time, everyone has failed. That is, has a badge and a gun and decided to pull this cop or put this cop on the street and he is killed because he was scared. And then if a judge then says, I'm going to set him free, the judge has failed because you've been in, tra- you've been trained. That is not an excuse that you can use. I can use as someone as with lay and not been trained to be in an aggressive situation that I was scared. You can't. You took a job and you got a badge and a gun. You can't use that defense. It shouldn't even be allowed as a defense for a cop. Not saying that it's not a tough job. So all the cops out there, all the blue lies people who say blah, blah, blah. It, I understand. I grew up in a military family. and You know what? I've never heard any of those men who have served and from grandfather to father to uncle to brothers who have served this country in the military. Not a damn one of them has ever said that I, you know, my job was hard and two of them got drafted. So they didn't, you know, dodge the draft like bone spurs. So you can't use that as an excuse for me. It, it just it's it's a bullshit excuse, and if and if you can't do the job, sit down. I have managed for many different companies and so forth. There have always been where you walk into a team and you're taking over a new team or you're going in to clean up a store. There's always people that shouldn't be there. There's people who signed up for a job and said, "Hey, I can't do that." They might not say it. They might still show up every day and say, yeah, I'm going to do this job. And you as the person who's in charge have to do the hard thing and say, this isn't the job for you. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean I don't like you. Doesn't mean you're an asshole. Just means this is not the job for you. That's the job when you sign up for the supervisor role, the management role. That's your responsibility now to say, I understand that it's my job to not be a friend. It's my job to make the hard decisions. And if that means this guy, even though he might have a wife and kids or so forth, and you want to, you don't want to be that guy, you signed up to be that guy. And you got to be that guy for everyone else's sake. So there isn't a knee in someone's back for eight minutes and 46 seconds And as we see now, countless cases of that same type of negative behavior by police. This isn't the first case. It's not the second. It's not the third or fourth case that someone has been killed in custody saying that they cannot breathe from uh, someone overstepping and using excessive force. So when I look at all these studies and I was like, all right, I started to dissect and I started taking policing. I was like, all right, so how are we policing? And then I started looking at the fact that our traffic stops are longer and that you're pulling over 70% black people and you're pulling over 70% of of your traffic stops are Hispanic or black. What you're doing is you're targeting people. So when those demographics have a bad taste in their mouth or uh, they're not fond of the police 
you got to kind of understand you've been picking on. You're a bully. You're in their neighborhoods being a bully. No one, if I'm late for work, I don't want to be stopped just to see what the hell I'm up to. If I'm not speeding and I'm just on my way to work and you think, oh, well, shit, what's that black guy up to? So let me pull him over to see if he's got drugs or weapons or something like that in the car or so forth or warrants. I'm late for work. I ain't got time for this bullshit. And I have a right to be upset about it. You chose the job. So I look at it as this way. It was like, all right. How many people, at, how many kids have we seen at Walmart being berated by customers? And I'm saying Walmart, and I just threw that out there as a name, but any retail chain or retail store, it's all over news and lines of this, this child, this kid being yelled at by this person, that person. And none of them can respond the way a police officer can because they lose their jobs immediately. So why can't someone who has been trained Someone who has been trained to handle abuse. Someone who's been trained to de-escalate situations. I put that up in quotes, but you can't see those. Yeah, there's, <laughs> so, there's a whole lot of air quotes going on right now. Yeah, it's like, so if you've been trained to de-escalate a situation, why do I constantly see cops escalating a situation? Raising their voices, getting mad and anger. I was like, I've done a lot of volunteer work with juvenile delinquents and so forth. And actually, and that is one of the first things they actually tell you when you have a kid that's raising his voice and is yelling and going hard. You don't go hard at him. It's not a dick measuring contest. So why do I constantly see cops on the news and in clips in these dick measuring contests where they think, well, I'm going to raise my voice louder. You're no that you're making the situation worse. Your job is not to make the situation worse; is to de-escalate the situation. And I think you know, looking at all of the the extrapolating all the data that I see across the board from, you know, uh, just the, the the different ways that we're starting to understand and see the overreach. And the choices that our police departments are making. That's what I, I, at this point in time, I have to understand and have to say it's an, it's an absolute choice. Because if I can easily see this data, so can they. If I can easily pull this data up, so can the commanding officers. And so at some point in time, I got to look at it as you're saying, hey, this is fine. There's not enough of us that are actually voters, not enough of us who aren't being pulled over. I'm not afraid of the cops. What the hell are you going to do to me? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I have no warrants, no no history, no background, no anything you can pull up. is Yeah. So I, there's nothing for me to fear. So there has to be enough of, of us that are coming up and saying, hey, you know what? The way you're doing your job, is is absolutely unacceptable because I'm I'm fed up with the this type of data, and I actually propose a you know here's what it is you know what, um, we're we're starting to hear a lot uh, in the news and in uh, everything going on right now about defund the police, 
And so for those uh, who are running out there, including in law enforcement, because I'm seeing a lot of law enforcement, uh, we'll you know give away our badge and we're throwing away our cuffs and so forth. Defund the police does not mean get rid of the police officers. So for all of the you know all of you who who think that on well, whatever side of the fence that you're on, defund the police does not mean we're going to get rid of police officers. What it does mean, we're going to start holding police officers accountable. And I pay taxes and I'm tired of paying. I pay a lot of taxes and I'm tired of paying a lot of taxes for bullshit. So here's what's going to happen is defund the police means the shit that's not working. The shit that's we're just wasting our time doing. Uh, when I start seeing, you know, you're, you're spending your time pulling over 70% of black people and 70% of Hispanic people. I, I, I want that to change. So if you can't change your behaviors, I want some of my money back because I'm not going to fund that bullshit. So you're going to do your jobs. You're going to do it the correct way. You're going to stop the nonsense. And if not, then, yeah, we're going to do some defunding, meaning, you know, those extra hours you get to because you need uh, to buy your kid to G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip and you want to, you know, pick up some extra hours. No, we're not going to pick up the extra hours. Those extra hours aren't going to be available for you. And we're going to stop chasing, you know, uh, the what, 50 to 40 billion dollars a year in, um, uh, in, in, or in the money that we fund uh, the war on drugs. The war on drugs is 40 to 50 billion dollars a year. Good grief. That is our annual budget, roughly, that we put into the war on drugs. The war on drugs, which is labeled as, and here's some more air quotes, victimless crimes. So we have that kind of money spent on crimes that are victimless, but backlogs of crimes that maybe aren't victimless. Absolutely. Um, You know, and one of the things you were, when you were just talking about defunding the police, I mean, because here's the thing, I, the thought, I mean, there absolutely needs to be some sort of law enforcement. Um, However, the training that they have for the amount of power that they have, if you compare it to other, you know, careers, career paths. It's absolutely oh my, atrocious. It's, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, in the situations that law enforcement get put into, you know, where, honestly, they haven't been taught to de-escalate a situation. I mean, when you were dealing with um, juvenile, you know, juveniles in, you know, in, in trouble you know, trouble, trouble kids, you probably have significantly more training for that than a police officer does because it's probably glossed over at police academy because that's not the cool stuff. <laughs> well, I think also, too, it's like when when you're working in a juvenile situation, you know, you're working with underage kids and kids. So if you put a bruise on a kid, they don't play. That's like, uh, here's your last paycheck. You know, because everyone steps in to look at that. Yet, it's not the same. And I get, you know, it's hard to find police officers and so forth. Well, maybe we stop spending so much time on the nonsense, victimless crimes. We've been fighting the war on drugs since the, what, 60s? I think it is the 60s. Yeah. Um, The Nixon administration, where that is, when he falsely... 
needed to bolster war for the Vietnam War because he didn't have enough uh, support from the black or hippie community. We call them liberals now, hippie. But back then it was, oh, we got to get those hippies. And, you know, we had too many... We had the civil rights movement in full bloom in the 60s. And, you know, we had Muhammad Ali stepping forward saying, why am I going? I'm not drafted. I'm not going to. They actually, uh, you know, know, took his belt because he stood up and said, I'm not going to Vietnam to fight for, uh, you know, fight against the Viet Cong when I'm over here fighting for rights that y'all won't get me here. I can't eat at a lunch counter here, but you want me to go get killed halfway across the world for you guys. Um... And during that whole thing, that's when the war on drugs started. Oh, and it really, it as we see now, is still going on where it was targeting the black and Hispanic community. And that policing model hasn't changed in 60 years. So instead of giving you 40 or $50 billion to continue to attack the black and brown communities, where we know for a fact, because I worked in the juvenile facilities and I worked in the school systems in those areas, you know, so those school systems are absolutely failing. Those, what we do in those communities as far as to, you know, help and change in the community is absolutely garbage. It has failed, it has failed, it has failed. It has failed just as badly as the war on drugs because we haven't put any dent as we see in middle of America right now. It's an opiate crisis that's affecting more, mostly white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden it's now, oh, we don't need to lock them up. We need a treatment. So if it's treatment time, then it's defund time. And so we're not going to chase this anymore. We're not going to go and lock people up for this. We're going to be like, hey, if some people need help and we're not talking about, oh, well, you know what they what if they go and steal? That's not that's not drugs. Stop that bullshit. That's someone stealing. We already got a crime for that. There's already there. Go get him for that. But I also guarantee you what we're seeing in, you know, states uh, that have passed uh, medical marijuana uh, and uh, legalized marijuana in certain states, you're seeing opiate use go down. You're seeing crime go down. You're seeing tax dollars go up where they actually have a surplus of tax dollars and they're going to, they're doing, they're starting more programs to help different people. So absolutely that 50 to $40 billion that we're giving to all the police forces and so forth to, to continue this war on drugs, that, that's done. And that's up to us, us, the taxpayers, the voters, and the ones that understand that we're not getting into the political bullshit. And we understand that defund the police doesn't mean we're getting rid of the police. But we're, what we mean is the, the programs that aren't working, we're, we're done with those. We're going to hold the people who we give our money to absolutely accountable. Because I guarantee you, if we absolutely start looking at where these 40 or $50 billion went to, we'd be fucking pissed off. Oh, for sure. So we, we, the blank checks for our entire government, the blank checks for our police department, the blank checks for our judicial system, they end. Just like we saw in the PPP or what PPEs or the or the what the the funding that we're doing now, where you know Donald Trump didn't or that guy didn't want to release where all the money went to for the small businesses and oh, so the forth. PPP. The PPP. 
So just like that, oh, we're not going to release that. That's proprietary information. I was like, no, you where where you spent my tax dollars isn't proprietary information, sir. That's my money. It's not yours. And I think that's the difference in what our government actually needs to understand. This is not your money. We pay your salaries. We write your checks. That money went and it was taken from us. So understanding that, that means we need to hold you guys accountable and say, we're no longer going to take your money or take it down. All right. We're not going to take it, essentially. It, it, it has to be we stop writing the free checks for you guys. But I think that's a small portion on on traffic stops. But I think when we go and we look at this, as a bigger problem is I understand it. I started looking in, I was like, all right, well, you know, let's, let's take a look at our judicial system. And so it starts with policing and how police are actually pulling people over and getting them in front of our court system. And there are countless studies from, again, from major universities, from major civil rights groups, and so forth, that have actually compiled all of this information, and they look at it and say, we know for a fact judges will hand longer sentences to people of color than to non-people of color. So if I have a white criminal... And I have a black criminal. And we're not talking about people who did different things. We're talking about almost the same similar criminal backgrounds. Both criminals. We have cases where someone went to county jail. We have someone that goes to uh, you know federal or goes to prison for years and decades. And we're handing months out on other. We have kids that have been found raping. And we're sentenced to probation. A uh, business contact of mine uh, at one point in time when he was a kid, uh, when I say he was a kid, he was a young teenager, about 18, about to graduate from high school. Him and his buddy uh, were you know, celebrating their high school graduation with a little marijuana. They were, you know, got pulled over. And he is one of the biggest advocates for the criminal justice system or against the criminal justice system because whereas he had a $50 fine for the same amount of drugs in the same car, his buddy, who was black, ended up doing two years. And his question, he always asked, how can I be in the same car with the same amount of drugs and I get a $50 fine and I get to go to college and continue my career and my livelihood and life and so forth? But a friend of mine, because he was the wrong color, does years. And his entire life changed. He is now caught up in that whole revolving door of the criminal justice system where now he's a felon and he has to combat that and he has to put that on every time he goes to fills out a job application. His life has, has been changed and he got to see it firsthand. So it wasn't, you know, hey, I, I, I saw it on the news and I heard somebody else say it. He got to see it firsthand. So... If, it, it, and I think that's where I, I don't know. I got frustrated when I started looking at all this information. I was like, well, well we got all these, these, these groups, these fantastic groups and these, these universities that are, 
you know, obviously, you know, there has to be someone paying for, uh, for all this information and for these studies because to compile decades of information on policing from 50 states took some time, took some years, took some people. So someone wrote a check and said, hey, give me this information. And it's and some of these studies were, you know, five years old or four years old. Some were two years old. Um, some of them are continuing to go on right now. But we're still seeing the same problems in how we're sentencing criminals. We're seeing the same problems in how we're policing people. So. I, the only thing I can suggest is, since, you know, the studies don't scare you, talking about it doesn't scare you, let's start taking your money. I, I You know, I look at that as any, you know, every year, every police department should have a yearly review. And if the yearly review shows that you've spent 70% of your time pulling over people of color, then we're going to take 70% of your, your budget. That's not your job to see what black people are up to. It's not your job to see what Hispanic people are up to. It's your job to actually, I won't even say policing is not your job. All your vehicles say protect and serve. So let's go back to protecting and serving. Well, however... (laughs) It has been ruled by the Supreme Court that law enforcement's job is not actually to protect you. Oh, um, I, I, I mean, th- so they're not actually there to protect. But I before before we came up to that, you know, following the money on these studies, like who paid for the studies? Obviously, who paid for the studies? They didn't like the results because the studies you have to look for them. Nothing was done with them. So obviously they didn't get the results that they wanted because nothing, you know, these studies aren't even talked about. Well, it's, it's all, it's a quick blur. You know, it's, 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 it's a quick blur because, well, let's keep it. Obviously we have a lot of money going into the hands of uh, certain union groups uh, and certain political packs. Please have their own lobbyists. Uh, I'm sure they're writing big checks in Washington, which uh, when I when I've always said when I've talked to people about lobbyists and so forth, I've always broken that down to a a baser level. If if I was a local crack dealer and I had a crack house and a crack business in the in a local neighborhood, I couldn't go over to the police department or the sheriff's department in my neighborhood and said, "Hey, guys." Um, I've been noticing you guys didn't, you've been using the old Glocks. You know, I see you, when I see you guys out there, you guys look like you got the old stuff and so forth. So I'm going to throw a pancake breakfast for you guys and we're going to raise some money. But you, these crack houses over here, I'm going to need y'all not to pay attention to. He'd be in jail. So why can't a lobbyist go to Washington and say, hey, I know we're breaking some rules over here on this, but we're, you know, in the case of passing a drug, 
we're going to make $3 billion off of this. And here is a $4 million, you know, campaign contribution. We're going to, we're going to run this at, you know, $1,500 a plate so they can talk to the Senator and so forth. So is it because they can prop big briefcases and these other people can't? So it really just comes about how much money my hands can actually pad. So at that point in time, if, that's being allowed in Washington and that's being allowed in the police departments and so forth. Aren't all of you criminals in the first place? You know, I'm, I'm going to let y'all divide, you know, you know, <laughs> debate that amongst yourselves. But if, if, if this is the case where, you know, how many, um, drug trial, you know, lawsuits do you see on TV where, you know, Hey, if you tried blah, 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 you can be for this class action lawsuit. They knew that was coming. Because they were able to make, you know, $3 billion and that class action lawsuit is going to cost them $100 million. Money well spent. Mm-hmm. Kill a couple people. No problem. And so when I actually, when I sat down and I started looking at all this, you know, data from traffic stops to, to sentencing and how our judicial system is and how we're able to lobby in, 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 in Washington and on our local levels and so forth, it, it we have to actually... Besides voting, you know, there, you know, we always say, you know, you know, we look at a lot of our mentors and icons, you know, the good trouble is we come in. The good trouble is, hey, maybe it's time for us to actually get out of, you know, this protest in the streets. And we're running around the streets and, you know, we're, we're stopping traffic and so forth. Maybe... We go to court and we stop the, uh, the whole court system. We sit in. We stop judges from leaving and going home because now we have a sit-in in what's called, and we have a sit-in at the police departments, and we have a sit-in on what's called, you know, in different departments that we know for a fact, and we've done the research, and we see the sentencing happening out of these judges, and we see the sentencing happening over here and we see this the police department has you know we, we have the data already so we know that this the police department is over here and they're pulling over 70% of people over on that's what maybe it's time for us to go we're we're not here to fight we're not here to argue but we're going to sit here we're going to continue to make enough noise that you guys are going to change your ways and, and it's it's not about fighting in the sense of, hey, we're fighting you and you're fighting us and so forth. But we have a right to say this is not how we want to run our country. This is not our right. Or this is our right. And this is not how we want to be policed. Because your job isn't to see what I'm up to. Your job isn't to come over and pull me over. I shouldn't have to see a cop car and think, oh God, what is this asshole up to? And if I'm thinking that, it's not because I'm doing something wrong. It's because you're doing something wrong. You know, when we look at all the stuff, and uh, it's funny, my nephew said at one point in time, he was like, they don't have any, they have one song called Fuck the Police. 
There is no other songs calling fuck the fire department, fuck the nurses, fuck the doctors, <laughs> fuck the judges, fuck the lawyers. There is one song out there that says fuck the police. So instead of saying we're doing everything right all the time, sometimes being an adult and being a grown up is understanding that no, I don't always do everything right. Sometimes I do stuff wrong. And being a better person means I can admit it and I can change. Doesn't mean that you're a bad person. I mean, you're, and I won't say that, I'll say this and it might sound harsh. You're a bad person if you can't acknowledge that. If you can't see that, yeah, I don't, I sometimes do things wrong and this was a bad judgment call or a bad judgment call by my teammate or partner or so forth. If you can't ever do that. Because it's all about the blue line and that's the only thing there's that. You, sir, are not a police officer. You're a gang member. Put away the badge. Put away the gun. Put on a rag. Claim a side because that's what you become. You are no longer a police officer. You might as well just admit it. You've joined the criminal element. Because when you cover up for someone else, you are part of the criminal element. I don't care what you signed up and said I was going to be with my life. I was going to be do something good because guess what? The Crips and Bloods both started off as good with good intentions in different areas for positivity within inner cities. At some point in time, someone else decided to take those organizations And turn them into what they are today. Most people don't understand that. And most people don't know that. Because they don't know the true history of those organizations. They were both spinoffs from the Black Panther Party. I know everybody says, oh, Black Panther Party. Uh, How many uh, people out there enjoy poor, white, black, Hispanic? Enjoy free school lunch? Yeah, you can thank the Black Panther Party for that. The problem is most people don't know their history. They only know the bullshit they've been taught and they've never read or done anything for themselves. So, again, different organizations sometimes turn into a bad spin. So, if the blue line means I'm going to lie for the guy next to me, even though I know he's breaking the law. Like I said, brother, turn in the badge, turn in the gun. You are no longer a, 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 a police officer. You're a criminal. Join the sides. Understand that that's what you did when you decided that all of the oaths that you took were no longer important as in covering someone's ass. And that's my soapbox for today. (laughs) All right, you guys. So um, in the show notes, we will have where where you can find us. Uh, We'll have an email address there. We'll have a Facebook page. We'll have a, might have an Instagram account by the time this comes out. Uh, YouTube has been foreshadowed. And, um, and yeah, please, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. If there's anything that you have questions about, anything that you'd like to hear James talk about on an episode, uh, reach out to us and, uh, and we're, we're there to help and, uh, and, uh, and we're always here. Thanks everybody.
Yep, and you know, I always like to wrap up and say as simple as this. Uh, like I said, it's sometimes we look at one thing and we say, hey, we can't change. We can change. Um, every officer out there can be a good officer. Every officer can, has made a choice either to be or not to be. But it's hard to stand in line and stand tall. Yep. Be brave. Stand in line. Stand tall. Be the change that we need. And that means for everybody. So that means you got to vote. Get out there and vote. Get out there and make the change because that's how we hold these people accountable. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.